0: Welcome to the reality recap junkie podcast. I'm your host Laurel and I hope you all had a wonderful week. Um, I can't believe we're almost done with January. That is crazy. But here we are in 2021, still in a global pandemic. Um is yeah, I don't even know where to go with that, but um what I do want to talk about is all things reality TV. Um, I wanted to talk about some other shows at the start of this episode, um, and then I'll get into the challenge a little bit later on. So I'm not going to like dive too deep into any one particular show. I just wanted to bring up the shows that I have been watching and kind of give some hot takes on them. All right. So, I'm going to start with The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I love, love, love. I am so happy with this franchise. I love the city. Um I love the scenery. It makes me want to move to Salt Lake City cuz it is gorgeous. Um but i love most of the housewives and i think it's been a good season and it's also been great that this season was filmed prior to covid um that way you don't have to worry about like the moral um the moral standing of the show and how people are handling um the pandemic and if they're following guidelines so you just get to enjoy the show in the before times um I absolutely love Whitney and Heather. They are my two favorite housewives. I feel like they can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, I think they're both very authentic and are fun to watch and they have good storylines outside of the drama with the other housewives. Um I think their backgrounds are pretty interesting with their families. Um, and their marriages and all that. So I really like them. I know that um Salt Lake City did get picked up for a second season. So I definitely hope that they both get a second season as well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Jen Shaw. Um, and I like Lisa and Meredith and Mary. But, you know, I don't have a love for them like I do Whitney and Heather. So just a couple of things I wanted to talk about um I feel like Jen is very extra all the time um it definitely feels like she's putting on for the show and I think she just needs to tone it down some and it's just too much um and I I just can't take it when it's like too much and it's like do you really act like that like are there people out there in the world that actually act like that in their real lives because that just seems insane to me but what I did like was two episodes ago um where they ended it with her talking to her husband Sharif and I feel like that was the real Jen Shaw she was vulnerable you know she wasn't all done up it looked like she didn't have a whole lot of makeup on she you know was crying And, you know, she was just being open and honest with her husband about how she was feeling and why she was drinking and how, you know, she needed him around more. She needed him to be there when her father passed away and she, you know, she needs more from him and that's why she has been drinking and acting out is because she can't, She can't do it anymore. She can't deal with all that. And she needs him to be home more. Because he's always away for his coaching. And I feel like he handled the situation really well, in my opinion. You know, he acknowledged that her feelings were valid. And, you know, said that he would do better. And he would be around more and be there for her. And he acknowledged that, you know, she had never fully expressed her issue with him not being there for her father's funeral and the fact that she was the one in the hospital with him for like a week and she was the one having to make all the decisions when he was dying um and I get that maybe she didn't fully express that to him but also like you have to know like you missed your father-in-law's funeral like your wife is more than likely going to feel some type of way about that so that part it was a little like okay maybe she didn't fully express that to you but that was wrong on you in the first place like even if she told you like no I don't need you you know you don't have to be there still like as her partner I mean she's going through a hard time in her life you should you know regardless of what she says you should be there for But I did like that he acknowledged, you know, the fact that she had been trying to cope with all of that with her drinking. And he talked about how, you know, he had gone through hard times when he couldn't play football. Whatever sport it was anymore, um, I think he had an injury, and you know he had to cope with the fact that he wasn't going to be able to do that any longer, and it sounded like he went through a hard time with drinking and other things. who knows what those other things are, but um I liked that he acknowledged that I get it, you know, I get where you're coming from, I get what you know what you're trying to do, and um, he recognized that and realized, like, he needs to change to be there for her. So hopefully he does actually do that. Um, that's kind of the main thing I want to talk about. Like, all the, all of their drama is pretty dumb, <laughs> in my opinion. The stuff they, they fight about is so, like, small. I, I don't think we're too far into... Uh, the franchise yet for there to be like really serious fights so the stuff that they are fighting about seems like so childish okay so moving on um Real Housewives of Atlanta I love Portia so much I feel like she's had such a come up from a season one Portia versus a current season Portia, Portia. I think she's probably had like one of the, um, best transformations a housewife has had. Like she has learned so much and grown up and really come into her own and all of her, um, social justice things that she's doing and being a mom. um, And I just think she's hilarious too. So I always love Portia. Um, I can do without Kenya, of course. Although I did like that she called out Cynthia for this whole wedding thing. That's the main thing um, that I want to talk about is this whole Cynthia wedding. Her still trying to move forward with having a large wedding during COVID, which she ended up having. And I know that she said on Watch What Happens Live that no one caught COVID from her wedding, but I don't understand how she can know that for sure. If she had 250 guests plus caterers, she had our production company there. um, How do you know that someone that they came into contact with didn't get COVID from them because whoever was at your wedding was asymptomatic? Like you can't know that for sure that because of your wedding, someone didn't get it. I find that hard to believe. Especially because there were plenty of pictures where people were not wearing masks. So the whole thing is just really hard to watch. I don't know how she thinks that what she did was okay. And then this last week we see a scene with her and her mom and her sister and her daughter. And she's talking about how she has to be really careful with her mom because her mom uh, has diabetes maybe. Um, I forget what she has but she is at risk and so she's trying to be really careful around her mom but yet she wants her mom to come to a 250 person plus wedding and then also she wants to invite her dad and her mom has a problem with her dad being there and it's just all this drama but the really the only thing that I want to say about Atlanta is the fact that the women are always wearing face shields. And I don't understand the face shields. Like, let me know if I'm thinking of this wrong. But a face shield is not going to protect you from COVID, right? It was my understanding that, okay, you can add a face shield on, but you still need a mask. And they did this on Real Housewives of Orange County, too, when they were in at Lake Arrowhead or wherever it was and they're in the house wearing the face shields but they've got the face shields like propped up and it's just like I don't it seemed like they were only wearing them while they were cooking I um, I just don't get it like I think if you're gonna wear a face shield you need to also have a mask because I mean the air is still coming out right I don't I don't get it I don't think they're following things Correctly. And anyway, if they're all like completely being tested and everything, and they're going to be around each other, and clearly they're around each other plenty with no masks at all. It's like, what is the point of this facade of a face shield? I don't, I don't get it. I'm definitely overseeing it. Like, it's not, you know, it's not doing you any good, I don't think. Okay, Um, then we have the real, real housewives of Orange County. Um, we had the reunion part one this week, part two is the next week. Um, the reunion ended with like the big bomb drop of Shannon saying that Bronwyn told Stella, Shannon's 14 year old daughter at the time, let me know because I can get you the good stuff. So Bronwyn was Bron was basically saying like if you want the good drugs I can get them for you to Shannon's fourteen year old daughter which is just insane. Um, so the reunion ended on that. Uh, so next week should be good getting the follow up. We see Bronwyn break down. Um, so I'm definitely curious to see that all play out. Um, but other than that, um, Kelly Dodd is the worst. I. So Andy pressed her on all of her social media commentary about COVID and Black Lives Matter and just how very problematic she is. And I wish that Andy would have pushed her more. You could tell that she was getting very irritated and getting to the point where she wasn't going to want to answer questions because she basically was like, what do you want from me? And it's like, what we want from you is to take accountability for the horrible things that you've said and recognize that you were being uneducated, like selfish and self-righteous. Like when you make the comment that maybe COVID is God's way of thinning the herd. Okay, that is awful. And even her mom was in the ICU Um, But she claims it's not because of COVID. It was from whatever other problems she had, even though she tested positive for COVID. So how do you know it wasn't also related to that? And Andy was trying to press her, but I wish he would have gone harder on her. I think she definitely deserved it. I understand that he probably didn't want to push her too hard or she would, you know, probably shut down and walk off and then not potentially not continue. But I think that if you're going to go on reality TV and you have a platform and all of these followers, you have to be held accountable. Like that's fine. You have the freedom to say whatever you want to say, but that means that you open yourself up for all of the criticism. Like if you want to go on your social media platform and say anything and everything then you have to accept the comments that people are going to say. Like you can't just post something and then when someone comments on it and has a difference of opinion, you can't just get pissed off and be like, you have no right to say that. Like if you don't want people to comment on your thoughts and behaviors, then do not put them out there for them to see. So... I am just so over Kelly Dodd. If Orange County gets picked up again, I think that they should not renew her season at all. Get rid of her. Um, And then her also, I know that Bronwyn is super annoying this season, but Kelly saying that she thinks that she's being a fake alcoholic is incredibly disrespectful. Um, She doesn't know for sure. Like, Let's say that Bronwyn is faking it. Like, unless you have proof of that, you should not say that at all. Um, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people watching that show who are alcoholics and are struggling. And to hear Kelly be say, like, oh, I don't believe you. Um, it's just awful. Or, like, all the times that Kelly was, like, here, you want a shot? And, like, trying to egg Bronwyn on. It's just horrible. Like... Even if that's what you think, just keep your mouth shut. Like, what what are you gaining by saying all that? Like, you think that Bronwyn is just using it for a storyline? Okay, if, it, if you think that Bronwyn is making up being an alcoholic and is giving up drinking and is going to AA meetings and is coming out as a lesbian and is having all these issues, you know, with her husband trying to work through all of this just for a storyline then let her have that storyline because that is a lot of freaking work just for a storyline on a reality tv show so if she wants to go through all of that trouble to fake this storyline then give it to her like bravo she's trying to get an acting career I don't know so Kelly just needs to leave it alone and not say stuff like that Um, okay, so that's about it for Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, next I wanted to talk about my big, fat, fabulous life. This last episode, we see Whitney kind of break down, um, as far as her being on dating apps and she's been getting, you know, mean messages from people about her weight and she still is just in this place of feeling like, you know, her life would be so much easier if she was thinner. And so now she is contemplating getting like the weight loss surgery, which is something that I guess she's been very uh, against in the past. And she's never considered it before. And she's never like supported someone else getting it. So she brings it up um, all of her friends get together. They do like a social distance, um, kind of tailgating thing where they all go out into a field and, you know, she brings it up and tells them, and they're all very, very shocked. Um, and for the most part, they're, you know, they're supportive if she wants to get it as long as she's getting it for the right reasons, but they kind of feel like, She's trying to change to please the world versus trying to change for herself because she wants to. And, you know, they kind of bring up some questions like, if you got the surgery, like, would you be the same person? Do you think, like, you'd lose yourself? Um, I personally don't think that she'll end up getting the surgery. Um, I think... I think she would lose a lot of her persona and what she's kind of built her life on, you know, built her life on no body shame and like big girls' dance club and all of that and I feel like if she did get it, she would lose that, and like i I totally understand how she feels you know, that she's not worthy of love and that no one is going to love her because she is bigger. But I do believe that she will find someone. She has had, you know, plenty of romantic partners in the past. Um, she clearly, you know, has a great personality and is very outgoing and her friends absolutely love her. So I think she just needs to find the right person. Um... And I hope, I definitely hope she does. And I hope that she doesn't think that, you know, she has to be thin for that to happen. Like, as long as she's healthy, that's all that should matter. Okay, so then I want to talk about this show that I watch on TLC called Unexpected. It's basically like the teen mom, or like the 16 and pregnant, but on TLC, and I th- I want to say this might be the third season now. I started watching it from the first season. I don't know why I watched these shows. But after this the episode this last week, um, I was watching it. And my husband walks into the bedroom. And I, like, very quickly blurted out. I was like, I love that you and I are still together. And then we have Carter. And we get to see our son every single day. And, like, we don't have to worry about all that. And he just looked at me. And he was like... Yeah, duh. <laughs> but it's like when you watch shows like this, where these girls are, you know, having kids at 16, 17, and they come from these long lines of, you know, some of them, it's like their grandma was a teen parent, and their mom was a teen parent. And now they're a teen parent, their sister and cousins. It's like, this generational trauma of them all having kids at such a young age and of course like the likelihood of them ending up with the father of that child is very unlikely and most of them like you know don't stay with them and it's just like oh and but the only thing I the only couple things I really wanted to talk about um so there's one couple it's like Rihanna and her boyfriend And this girl, I don't know if it's just, like, pregnancy, but she thinks that, like, she doesn't have to change her life at all. She hates her, the father of her child, because... He cheated on, or he slept with someone while they were on a break, but they were considering getting back together. So she is still mad at him for that. So she's basically like not willing to give in on anything. She, you know, doesn't want to compromise on custody. She doesn't want him to like be in the room when she gives birth. And she just has zero compromise in her. And I just can't stand to watch her because it's like, I understand that you're 16, but you are pregnant at this point. So you need to kind of get it together a little bit. Like you have the father of your child here who wants to be in your child's life, who wants to help, who wants to share responsibility. And you are just being like a complete bitch towards him. And I, and like her mom is trying so hard to like get her to see the light and she's just not seeing it and i don't really see any hope for her. She just seems like ooh. She is something else, that's for sure. Um and then there is Jenna and Aiden and Jenna just seems like the like a spoiled brat. She thinks that she can get her dad to basically do anything for her. Um she wants everything handed to her like she doesn't want a job. She doesn't think that she needs a job. Um, and she's mad because her mom and dad, they are divorced and she wants to just have one baby shower. And her dad is throwing a baby shower at his house and her mom was going to throw a separate one, but she doesn't want to, because she thinks that that's not fair. She's like, I'm not doing two of everything. And so basically she wants Her dad to have the baby shower at his house, but let her mom host it and, like, help out. But they don't really get along. And so there's all this drama with that. And it's just like, okay, girl, your expectations are so unrealistic. Like, you're worried that there's going to be drama between them. Like, just have the two baby showers. Like, it'll be okay. You get two different days, like, to celebrate your baby. With no drama then. Like why. I don't understand why she's pushing so hard for it. Why she only wants one. Like you can get two. You're probably going to end up getting more stuff. By having two. If I had to guess. So like why wouldn't you want two special days. Instead of one special day. Like make the most out of it. Okay. Then last is. um, Mirka. I think is how you say her name. And I think Ethan is the father who she's still with, I think, but basically she lives with her, um, baby daddy and his parents. They kind of took her in because as soon as her mom found out she was pregnant and she was keeping the baby, she basically kicked her out. And she's like, I'm not responsible for you anymore. I'm not responsible for this baby. Like you, you know, you made the decision to kick yourself out of this house when you decided to keep this child. And she's basically like disowning her and she doesn't want to celebrate the baby at all. Um they get into a huge fight because Mirka posts like on Facebook about how, you know, this wasn't planned, but you know, this is a blessing and you know, I'm going to love my child and all this stuff. And her mom like flips out on her and, and was like, you know, not wanting to promote this and like this isn't happy and all this stuff and um it's just real bad. Like I just can't imagine being that way towards your child. And like Mirka talks about how she, you know, kind of had to like raise her little brother because her mom worked all the time, which is respectable. Her mom's having to work multiple jobs, um, you know, to put food on the table and give them a stable life and all that. But Because of that, you know, Mirka's had to, like, kind of fend for herself and take care of her brother. And she says she basically just feels like her mom's servant, like she's just there to do chores. And I just, I don't know, having a son myself, like, when he grows up, you know, if he were in this position, I wouldn't, like, disown him. I mean, I can't think of like anything that he would do that would make me not love him, make me not support him, make me want to kick him out of my house. I mean, I say that like naively, I guess, but this woman is so cold to her daughter and it's like, okay, she's in this position, and she's keeping the child. Like, there's no going back now. And like, yes, it's not planned. And yes, it's not something that you should like, be promoting for someone to do. But you need to accept that this is the reality and move forward because that child is coming into the world. And you don't want like your grandchild to think that you hate her because, you know, her mom had her too soon. Like, Uh, I I feel so bad for her. I'm very happy that she has Ethan's parents to um, help her, you know, help um, take care of her, take her in and show her love and support. um, Because who knows where she would be if that, if she didn't have that. So I'm glad that she has that support system. It just really sucks that her own mother can't, you know, be there for her. Um, okay, so I was going to maybe talk about the Teen Mom 2 reunions, but they're pretty boring for the most part. So, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the challenge was The Bachelor. Okay, so The Bachelor is just a couple of episodes in, um, (laughs) but this last episode was all about Sarah. Sarah. So the week before, Sarah had a one-on-one, and I really liked her. I think I think that she looks like Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. Um, So she's really pretty, and I liked her story. They had a great one-on-one date. So I was like, she seemed so genuine, and I really liked her. And then this week, she just turns like, what in the world? Like, she is so upset that you know she she can't spend time with him and she's just being so dramatic about it all and then she shows up on the group date and takes time away from people and it's like oh my gosh like I'm glad that she decided to go home which she did Um, So that she could be with her dad who is suffering from ALS. I get all of that. But the way that she went about it was just like, whoa. Um, People who show up on dates that are not theirs. If I was the lead of that show, I don't know. It'd be real hard to be okay with that. Like knowing how the show is set up, knowing you know, how little time you get with people, if someone else is going to, like, come in and monopolize that and steal that, like, that's so disrespectful to everyone, and I get the whole point of, well, you know, you got to take the time that you can get, and, you know, um, you know, Tayshia was really into that last season of people kind of breaking the rules and, like, stealing time, Um, but... I just think it's really disrespectful because they're all there to try and get time slash get social media followers, but you have to respect that. And like you, I find it really hard that someone's going on this show, not realizing what this show is. And I'm sure it's harder than like what you think it's going to be going into it, but Okay. You get the one-on-one early on. So you've had more time with him than most all the other girls. Some of the girls have had like pretty much zero time with him. And then you're going to show up because you're feeling like insecure and not sure about everything. Like she could have just waited until the cocktail party. Like why did she have to interrupt the date? And then the one girl... Oh gosh, I can't remember her name. There are too many girls at this point to remember all their names. But it was the girl that Sarah interrupted during the group date. Um, oh yeah, she was the dildo girl. Um, she brought that off for her first impression, but I don't remember what her name is. Oh, it's like a two-syllable Ugh, I'm going to think of it after this is over. Anyway, she, she wasn't like my favorite, but the fact that she was the one who really got her time interrupted and had to deal all with that. And then she was the one that went and checked on Sarah and talked to her and they connected because that other girl's dad passed away. So she totally understands Sarah desire, Sarah's desire to go home and spend time with her dad. And just the way she handled that, like, now I like her. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, other than that, Victoria can go home. I think we should probably stop having people named Victoria on this show. Because they turn out to be awful people. So, yeah, she can go real soon. I'm sure they'll keep her around for a little while. She might be one of those that ends up on a two-on-one date. But the sooner we can get rid of her, the better. Okay, I think that's enough non challenge talk. So let's go ahead and dive into the challenge. All right. So the episode starts out with the song What You Need by NXS. And I love that song and I thought it was great. I'm loving that they're starting out each episode with a good song. Okay, so Devin right now is the rogue agent. um, and Fessy's talking about how he wanted Tori in the game and says that endurance isn't Anissa's strong point. So, you know, he's still bummed that he is Anissa's partner, like, wait, yeah. Um, this episode is very Teresa-heavy. So, um, is basically wanting to play both sides. You know, she's saying she wants to have her new... Like rookie friends, but then still also have her old veteran friends, and Nani is basically calling out her game. Um, If you remember, Teresa and Nani have had a rivalry from past seasons, and she definitely doesn't trust her, Um, and at this point, Anissa doesn't realize that Teresa was in on the plan to put Anissa and Tori against each other. Um so she doesn't realize that Teresa's playing dirty, but a lot of other people in the house do. Uh so then we get this scene of Lolo questioning Teresa and Teresa's in that like tie-dye hoodie and she makes that ugly ass face um that I've seen floating around people have like made a gif of it, I'm sure. Um basically Lolo is shutting her down. And Teresa, it's clear, like, Teresa doesn't want to make her mad. Um, Lolo definitely seems like the type that can fly off the handle and you don't want to piss her off. So, I think Teresa at this point is just trying to say what she can to, like, she's still trying to, like, play everyone, play both sides. So, she's trying to say whatever she needs to say to kind of, like, smooth the waters. Um... So then we get this scene of Nani and Leo talking and Leo is talking about how when he was growing up, he had to stay in a group home. And so waking up with strangers here in the challenge house is a trigger to him and he really misses home, you know, with his wife and kids and he isn't sure that he can do this. Right after that, we get a scene of him packing, and he's talking to Gabby, and he, he basically at this point is telling Gabby that he is leaving. Um, Gabby is super sad, but she's very supportive. Um, then we cut from that straight into the mission. And at this time, we realize that TJ um, is telling us that Leo is going home. Um, By the way, TJ, like his little Chiron, says that he is the handler. Which is funny to me. He is their handler. Anyway, TJ tells them, you know, Leo is going home. And TJ fully supports his decision. You know, normally TJ's very hard on quitters. So I was curious to see how he was going to handle this. And he basically says that the challenger's health is more important than anything else on the challenge and that includes mental health and basically everyone respects it and I think they put up like information you know like if you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health here are your resources and I just thought that was really great um they don't talk about that enough on the challenge um how the men your mental health out there and playing that type of game can really wear on you and a lot of these people keep coming back over and over again with no break and I think that they really need therapy they need time to decompress and like acclimate back into the real world and so I really liked that you know Leo was so open and honest about it you know he explained why he was leaving that this wasn't a good environment for him And that a million dollars was not worth more than his mental health. And I just think that that shows so much like character, courage, strength. Um, So I'm so happy that he was open with that and that he made that decision for him. And that he could set that example for not only other challengers, um, but also just regular people in the world that like it's not a fault to admit that you need help or that you're not in a safe place. Um, and to, you know, make those decisions for yourself. All right. Um, so since Leo is going home, um, Devin doesn't have a partner. And now Gabby doesn't have a partner. So they are together. <laughs> okay. So then we have um, start the mission. This one is called Smuggle Run. And the objective is that you and your partner have to pick up a very heavy and awkward capsule and carry it shoulder to shoulder to run a five-mile race with checkpoints. And then we find out that this um, challenge is sponsored by P3 Energy Packs, and they get a P3—they uh, get a special boost for um, a P3 pack back at headquarters, but they also each get to win $3,000 a piece. So when they were talking about this, it made me think about back in the old days when like every daily challenge was sponsored by someone and my husband and I just got done re-watching The Inferno 2 on Netflix. And they, their sponsors were so funny. Because they mentioned the sponsor a billion times in the episode. And there was one I was trying to think of. There was like one particular episode that we watched. That every like confessional they were talking about it. And like all the scenes. And I was just joking that I'm like. The producers were like. Okay we need to get in one more mention of the sponsor. So can you go ahead and add the name in. So then I was trying to figure out what brand it was. And I was like, I think it starts with an S. And of course my husband's like Samsung, Sony, and it's like naming all these off. And I'm like, no, it's not like a super common one. And it was driving me nuts. I even paused the show and I'm Googling and I'm trying to figure it out. And I just can't. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to drive me crazy. So I finally had to give up, finish watching the show. And then after we got done, I went back to researching to try and figure out what it was. And then I remembered that it was Sharper Image. <laughs> so they kept saying Sharper Image in that episode. And it was really funny. But I was just very happy that I finally figured out who the brand was. Okay. So back to the Smuggle Run. Um, it looks like it's raining during this challenge. Um, so that's probably not fun. CT's talking and saying how Big T isn't a threat. Um, so it's kind of sounding like he's getting a little, uh, about having Big T as a partner. Um, but basically they're talking about how this is going to be like a mini final. So this will be a test to see how you might do in a final. Um, to start out with Jay and Teresa are like last place. And I thought, okay, they're kind of a small team—like small guy, small girl—compared to some of the other ones. And Casey and Leroy are leading. Lolo is struggling because of her shoulder surgery, and her and Nam are just like not working well together. Then, out of nowhere, it seems like Jay and Teresa pick up it pick up the pace, and they end up getting in first place. Um. Gabby likes Devin and the way he's encouraging her and working with her as her partner. Um, Bing T is going pretty slow. Uh, Lolo's still struggling. Um, okay, so they get to the first checkpoint and you have to use your capsule to plug it into the holes and then get over the wall. So basically there's um, a hole in the wall and you put the capsule in there and then you climb up that to get over the wall. Anissa is talking about how she feels a lot of pressure to do well, um, but they keep falling behind. Uh, The next checkpoint is a sum where you you have like a puzzle and each row has to equal um, the number 38. And the puzzle pieces are in the time capsule, so you have to get the puzzle pieces out and then put it together. Um, Ashley and Corey win that checkpoint first. Ashley is so good at puzzles and she's very smart. I don't know how she has to like act the way that she does. Um, Like she's trying to hide how good she at or how smart she is. Um, So they take off and then it ends up that they end up going the wrong way. Like they're in first place. They've got a good lead and they go the wrong way. So they have to backtrack back to the route that they're supposed to be on. Um, so then they're walking through water and it looks, it just looks so cold. Like being in the water and it's raining and it's Iceland. (laughs) I was just like, oh, burr, looks so cold. Um, then I find out that Nom is a mechanical, mechanical engineer. And I'm just like, did we know that? But Lolo mentions that, that she thought that he should be good at that puzzle where everything has to equal 38 because he's a mechanical engineer. And I was like, What? Okay, so a bunch of teams time out. Like, most all of them time out. Um, Anisa ends up getting the puzzle, but they're still in last place. Um, then it's basically like Nam and Lolo are just not on the same page. Nam is super quiet. He doesn't say much. And Lolo wants encouragement. So she's basically wanting Nam to be like, good job. You're doing great. Let's keep going. And Nam is just like quiet, like steadfast, move ahead. Um, I just have a comment here about Amber M's confessional look that her pigtails are a hard pass for me. I do not like them, but I am loving all the scenery of this challenge. Um, Anisa is talking about how Fessy's like, come on, Anissa, let's run, let's run. And she's just like, nope. And that would be me. I'd be like, nope, I'm good. Like, we're not going to win at this point. Just forget about it. Um. Okay, so Jay and Teresa and Corey and Ashley are in the lead. They can see the finish line, so they're sprinting, and it ends up that Jay and Teresa win. And so then I just wrote down the order that everyone came in. So it was Jay and Teresa, Ashley and Corey, Cam and Kyle, Josh and Nani, Casey and Leroy, Amber, B, and Darrell, Lolo and Nam, Gabby and Devin, Michi and Amber M. Big T and CT. Which, by the way, CT is supportive to her. But in his confessional, he says he's worried about her being her partner. Um, and then Fessi and Anissa finish last. Okay. So then we find out that for the P3 Portable Protein Packs, they're actually going to get $6,000 a piece. So, okay. They doubled their prize winning. Um. So they go back to the house and Ashley thinks that something fishy is going on with Teresa. Um, I took note that Teresa has a notebook of names um where she's like writing everyone's name down um to try and probably figure out numbers wise who's gonna vote for who. Um so then Lolo and Nam are arguing because she thinks that she's the only one talking. Um, But in this conversation, she's complaining that Nam never talks. And then every time Nam tries to say something, she cuts him off. And I'm just like, okay, you guys have a huge communication problem. She's blaming it all on him and that she knows how to adapt because, you know, she's an Olympian. And she's been on several teams and saying about how he's an individual athlete at his core. Basically meaning like he can't play with others. And she's basically just not taking any accountability on herself. And his feelings are hurt. Um, she's upset that he wouldn't jog it in at the end. Um, and she, yeah, she basically just thinks that him being an individual athlete is a weakness. And she's crying and being super dramatic. And I'm just over her. I love Nam. And I think that he deserves a better partner than Lolo. Okay, so now we're back in the COVID bubble where they're all partying. Nani thinks that Teresa wants Nani to be the house vote so that she can go in against her um, because she has beat Nani before. So she thinks that she wants to try and get an easy win. Um, Fessy and Gabby are flirting again and Fessy says that it's complex. And I'm just like, How? How is anything with Fessy complex and how is this situation complex? Is it because he has a girlfriend back at home? Like what? I'm confused. She calls him arrogant. So I love her. Um, I think she is not falling for it and that's great. Um, so Teresa wants a strong competitor out and is considering Ashley and she goes around and tries to get people on board with Ashley and Ashley says that she's a paranoid Pam. Okay, so then we have the deliberation and Leroy straight up says, I'm not going to vote for Ashley. And so then she has to give a speech so she doesn't get voted in because she basically at that point gets confirmation that that is what Teresa wants. Um, she does make a pretty good case for the guys um, for a final and wanting her as a partner but the voting is kind of really all over the place. And so it's kind of, it's hard to tell like who's going to go in. Um. But then Jay and Teresa go in and they find out that Ashley and Corey got voted in and they are so excited. Like Teresa is so excited. It's like she's never had any power before in her entire life. And she can't believe that her plan worked out. And she's just like a giddy little school, school girl. Um And so she wants to go for Nani and Josh. um And she is just on a power trip. She is loving it. So then after that, Teresa basically goes in and tells Cam that Cam should go in if it's a headbanger. And says that she isn't trying to play her, but Cam is skeptical. So basically she's saying to Cam, hey, if it's going to be a physical head-on-head challenge... You should go in because you'll definitely beat her. You can get your skull. Um, but if it's not, like, if it's not a headbanger, I promise I will not put you in. I am not trying to play you. Like, that is not what I'm trying to do. Um, Jay feels bad for not telling Corey um that Ashley and Corey are the house folk. Um, and then they we get like a workout scene and they're playing a slowed down version of Our Lips Are Sealed, and I just really liked that, so I had to make a note of that. Um, so they show up to the crater, and you can easily tell from the way it's set up that it's not a headbanger. So there are two individual stations down there. So you know that it's just gonna be you guys are competing against each other, but you're not gonna have to get physical. So, this is exactly the opposite of what um, Teresa said that Cam should go in for. Okay. So, then TJ announces that Ashley and Corey are the compromised agents and everyone is shocked. But why? Like, why is everyone shocked? Because there was all the talk that Ashley would be the house vote because that's what Teresa wanted. So... I don't really understand that, but, um, they feel betrayed and lied to. And then, um, Teresa votes and she sends in Cam and Kyle. So she is shady AF. So she literally said, Cam, I'm only going to put you in if it's a headbanger. And it's exactly not a headbanger. And she puts in Cam. So Cam says that, "All, all right, like, kill a Cam is activated um, and then Jay votes and he votes with Teresa. Okay, so Cam and Kyle come down and TJ fakes them all out and myself included, if I'm being honest, um, to make them think that it's a men's elimination. And I got so excited for a second because I was like, ha ha, Teresa, your plan just backfired because you thought it was a girl's elimination. And guess what? It's a guy's But TJ had me fooled, too, and it was actually a girl's elimination. So Cam and Ashley are going in. So this elimination is called Dead Ringer, and you have to use your momentum to swing from podium to podium and place a ring on a hook. So if you drop one, you have to wait until you go through all of them and then pick it back up, and you have to get six uh, rings on the hooks to win. So I'm rooting for Cam because I've always loved her and I'm not an Ashley fan. So I really want her to win. Okay, so at the beginning, they both are really struggling to get a rhythm. And then finally, Cam gets it and she gets two rings back to back. And Kyle (laughs) makes a comment that she's like Peter Pan up there. Um, Ashley clearly is not focused. She's just like flailing around. Um, She finally gets one, but... Once she gets one, Cam is already up to four. So it's four to one, and Cam only has to get to six. Um, so at this point, Ashley has dropped two rings, but now she feels like she knows the flow, and she knows what to do, and she's getting her rhythm. Um, so then we get to the point where Cam has five, and Ashley has three. Um, Leroy is, like, so happy and proud, for the way that Cam's competing, and then you have to get, yeah, okay, so then Cam places her last ring, and she wins um again, Leroy is just like clapping and has the biggest smile um Teresa's happy that Ashley's out, but Leroy says that Jay and Teresa are gonna pay for this um at this point, we find out that Cam's elimination record is ten and one. And that is just great. She is definitely queen cam, kill a cam. She's amazing. Um, Teresa says that it was a plan and it was executed. Um, Corey's pissed at Jay for not telling him that Ashley and Corey were going in. Um, And then CT basically says, welcome to the club. Like, this is what happens. Everyone, you know, plays each other. You have to go in. Like, big deal. Um, Ashley says that she'll be back to get revenge. I'm like, okay, go away. Um, and so then at this point, Cam gets to decide if she wants to stay with Kyle or if she wants to take Corey or she can infiltrate and pick someone else. And everyone is like, please, Cam, pick me, pick me. Like everyone wants Cam now. And I just love it. But she decides that she's going to stick with Kyle. Um, and CT really screwed the pooch on that one. Like he could have had Cam on day one, and for whatever reason, he didn't want to pick her, and now he wishes he had her, and instead he stuck with Big T. <laughs> um, and then we find out that Corey has to wait for the next elimination round to get a partner, and then that's where the episode ends. Um, the only thing else that I really wanted to comment about the episode was Cam's confessional look. So, the confessional look where she has this short black hair and she's wearing kind of like a see through top with a black bra underneath is just perfection. She looks absolutely gorgeous. I love the way her hair was, her makeup, her boobs look fantastic in that outfit. And I even said that to my husband I was like, her boobs look phenomenal. She is gorgeous. I mean, obviously she's really pretty, but she's also very smart and cunning at this game. Clearly, she is a killer Cam in the elimination rounds, being 10 and 1. And I do think she's a queen. I mean, I want Anissa to win, but I also want Cam to win. Like, I would love for Anissa to win. But I could really get on board with, like, a Cam and Leroy win and then, you know, this be their last challenge. And they go off and, like, do life together with their winnings and make, um, a, you know, make a living for themselves outside of this reality TV thing. So... Um, that's pretty much it um, again thank you so much for listening if you made it this far make sure you're following the podcast at our RJ podcast on both Instagram and Twitter and um, subscribe on iTunes um, rate leave a review all that great stuff and thank you uh, so much and I hope everyone has a great week bye